You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Well, welcome to the Better Man Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, and I'm joined today by one of the founding partners of Better Man, Robert Lewis. Robert, Happy New Year. Well, thank you, Adam. Happy New Year. I'm sure that is a wish for all of us. <laughs> it is. Yeah, Happy New Year. Much better than 2020. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, this is the first episode that we're releasing in 2021. So do you have any quick updates on where Better Man is headed this year? Yeah, I'm really excited. We've seen some uh, real significant growth in Better Man, but the, probably the two things I'm most excited about is, it, is that in January, we'll be filming our new Spanish version okay. of Better Man. In fact, uh, just got uh, yesterday our new Spanish Better Man workbook. It looks great. But Heidi Loya, who's a pastor at Cross Church in South Texas, will be filming Better Man in Spanish before an audience. And then also, uh, we just added Derwin Gray. Uh, many of our listeners probably know Derwin. He is one of America's uh, foremost uh, young black pastors who's having quite an impact around the country. And Derwin has agreed to uh, also film Better Man for us. So he'll be doing that uh, this spring as well. So we'll have two new versions of Better Man. That's awesome. And I think it's make a, it'll make a big impact. And what church is Derwin with? He's out, out east, right? He's in North Carolina, is yeah, that right? He's in he's in Charlotte, North Carolina, Transformation Church. Transformation Church, okay. fast-growing church up in... Uh, right outside Charlotte. All right. Well, that's great. Yeah, we do have some good stuff planned. We got some fun guests lined up for the podcast uh, as well that I'm excited about and excited to kick off this season three, 2021 uh, with you. So uh, 2020 will forever be known as the year of COVID-19 pandemic, and rightly so. That was a big deal for everybody, certainly dominated all the headlines. But Robert, you and I were talking before we hit record, and you're observing another pandemic that's out there right now. And this is one that maybe is not getting the attention of mainstream media. So uh, talk about what you're seeing right now out there. Yeah, it's it's not one that I'm just seeing right now. It's one I've been seeing all the way back, believe it or not, uh, to 1960, when our country took another fairly significant seismic shift uh, in the way the culture was going to be aligned. But back in 1960, believe it or not, only 5% of American homes in 1960 uh, did kids grow up in a home without a dad. 5%, which is amazing, especially when you consider today that today in America, 45% of all boys and girls grow up in a home with, an, with a dad not there. Wow. And even with that, even where dads are there, um, in many cases today, Dad is not really involved. So this um, sense of absent dadism is what I call a, a growing, threatening, deadly pandemic that now, in many ways, Adam, is sweeping over America. And you can see a lot of that today in the violence we see on the street, the drugs, the addictions that you see with young people, academic dropouts, depression, suicides. I mean, we have all kinds of ways of trying to address that with prisons, social help, counselors, and that kind of thing. But the thing that I know more than anything else, that most of that can be traced back to the dad who wasn't there. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, just to be clear, this this idea of pandemic with a, a fatherlessness is not uh, it's not an official. Uh, designation that's out there or anything like that. This is just one that we're seeing some parallels between the COVID-19 pandemic and this pandemic of fatherlessness and uh, just some of our observations. But so uh, what what pandemic or which one do you think is more harmful to the culture long-term? You think COVID-19 or, or this pandemic of fatherlessness? <laughs> well, I think uh, I think clearly it's fatherlessness. Uh, that's the one that that's had the greatest impact. And you can track it through sociology. You can track it through theology. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But uh, the dad who's not there, um, it's not only something deadly to the kids who grow up without him, but it's also like a pandemic. It's infectious with his own kids because sons who and daughters who grow up without a dad, they tend to repeat some of that same infection on their children. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So um, why do you think this is uh, worth talking about? Why do you think this is such a big deal? Well, I think it's a big deal because I think our culture hangs in the balance. Yeah. That's why I think it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've got this, uh, this way that you'll talk about it where it's really what you would say is the, uh, if you could summarize the biblical teaching on this topic, it would be this, that dad is destiny, right? So why don't, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Where are you getting that and where are you seeing that in God's Word? The way I, I see it best expressed is in the Old Testament, both in how it opens and how it closes. I mean, we know that on a human level, that when a man and woman come together as husband and wife, that their union conceives much more than just children. It also conceives the future, quite literally. With every child, a community is going to be either strengthened or weakened. A culture is either going to be advanced or undercut. A civilization will either move forwards or backwards. That's what, that's what the dad is destiny principle of Scripture points out. It just tells us that Mom and dad are essential to bringing up healthy, well-adjusted children. But of those two, we know that mom is the more stable one. She's the one that perseveres. When the home breaks down, mom usually is the one who remains and is there. But on the other hand, dad is the wild card because being a, a mom is more instinctive. But being a dad, Adam, is not instinctive. It's got to be instilled in a man. He's got to be taught it. He's got to be called up to it. And if he's not, and we're not doing it today in American society, it'll be quickly lost and men will drift away from it. So when I look at the Bible, uh, the thing that is, is, uh, really grabs my attention, especially in the Old Testament, is the first word spoken to a man in the Old Testament is be a dad. Huh. When God says, be fruitful and multiply, I don't think those words are put there by accident because first things mean first. And I also am, 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 am um, uh, attentive to the fact that the Old Testament closes in somewhat the same way because the very last verse of the Old Testament and last words are also important and I think are probably providentially put there. I don't think they're by accident, but when the Old Testament closes, it goes back to dad and tells the dad, Stay close to your children. Keep your keep close to them. Be sure their hearts are close to you, because if they're not, if your fatherhood breaks down, I will smite your culture with a curse. Now that's an amazing thing that the Old Testament opens 
with calling dad to fatherhood and closing in closing is warning dads about the importance of fatherhood to their very existence as a culture. Yeah. That's a fantastic observation. I can't, you know, how many times I've read through the Bible and haven't noticed that about the Old Testament, and I really like that. And I love your description, Robert, of men as the wild card. Uh, And, you know, when I hear that, for some reason, my mind goes to uh, the card game Uno, uh, the classic game Uno. (laughs) You played that too. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And so when you get the wild card in Uno... It makes the game easier for you, right? It makes it it makes it better, and there's fewer wild cards in the deck. So when you get one, it can make a great impact. And I think the analogy kind of works here with what you're saying, doesn't it? it? It does because a wild card is a card you can play in any different way. Yeah. But when it comes to men, the wild card can either be a big asset as a dad, a big help to you and your family, or you as a dad as a wild card can be. Uh, a big um, deficit. You can inflict big hurt and big wounds. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So, uh, so great observations. I don't think we can argue with that. That this idea of dad is destiny. Uh, I like where you're grabbing that out of God's word with the beginning of the Old Testament and the end of the Old Testament. I like your idea of this as a as a wild card. And so, uh, you know, h- how can we challenge men listening to this today? How can we challenge them with this idea? Because I'm sure many are going to agree with your observations, but what do you w- what do you want them to do about it? Well, I think, first of all, I think uh, a man who's listening today, I would just want to encourage him to see how important fatherhood is. Make, it, make, make that some essential thought. And to do that, to be a good dad, you've got to ask yourself, um, how did I, how am I doing as a dad? And, and how was I hurt by my dad? You know, as I've gone around the country and worked with men for now almost 40 years, dad damage is probably the greatest damage I see in men's lives today. And so, you know, if a man's listening today and he's wanting to think, man, I, I didn't realize fatherhood was that important. You might ask yourself, what did I get from my dad? Yeah. And, and when you think about that, what I think a majority of our listeners are going to experience hearing that question, they're going to they're gonna think first what I didn't get, not what I did get. That's where we are today in our culture. And, and, and if you've got dad damage in your own life, um, it's going to leave you growing up either a little more emotionally unstable because you didn't really connect heart to heart with your dad or you might even be directionally damaged. Your dad never get, gave you any input that helped you craft a direction for your life before you left home. And both of those inflict some pretty significant wounds. And so if a man hears that and he can assess his own damage, it will actually motivate him if he thinks about it to think, okay, as a dad, what do I want to give my kids so that they aren't damaged? First place I can turn to is what do I wish my dad would have given me? And use that actually as motivation to bless your own kids. Yeah. And I think that self-reflection is so important because I think a lot of men, or let's say it this way that, uh, you know, there's a lot, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, uh, getting training 
in life is not taboo. And, and people will go out and get training on all kinds of things. You'll get a personal trainer for exercise. You'll get a coach to maybe help you professionally. Uh, I know here in Dallas and uh, over at Watermark Church, Watermark Community Church, where I was on staff, they've got a big premarital training class that they'll do that's very popular. People will get training before they go get married. Uh, but this idea of training to become a, a dad um, I, I don't hear a lot of guys talking about that. And so if they're not going out and getting training, then they're just going to most likely just use their personal experience that they've had with their dad. And, and I like what you're saying, because you're challenging us to just go, well, first of all, take a step back and ask, did you see a good example? You know, because maybe, you, maybe, you know, there's some people out there that I'm sure if they go act like their earthly father, uh, it'll be great because there are some really, really great dads out there. But that may not be the story for everybody. And so before you go forward in your own dad journey, you got to go back and look and see, did you have a good example or not? Yeah. And if you'll, if you'll look back and you go, I didn't, there were things I missed. And many men have difficulty looking inward and asking that question. But it's a real helpful question because if dad didn't spend time with you, if you didn't have some great experiences with your dad, if he didn't give you information that helped uh, you uh, better uh, have a sense of direction and avoid dead ends, if you didn't get that, that will at least be motivation for you to think, how can I give that to my son? And if you don't have answers to how can I do that? Then it goes back to what you just said, Adam. And that is the next thing I need to say is where can I go get some training to help me learn how to do that? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get to that here in a second, because I think there are some great resources out there to help you. So that's good. All right. So we're going to challenge men. And the first thing we're going to ask them to do uh, to take this message serious and and understand that dad is destiny is we're first going to start by assessing our own dad damage. And and I guess that even has a little negative tone. It doesn't even have to be damage. It could just be assess your own dad, your example. Where do your attitudes and uh, preconceived notions come from of what makes a good dad? You might have had a really good example, in which case you can celebrate that and thank God for that and maybe even write your dad a letter and say thank you for being a good example or assessing where maybe uh, there were some things that were missing, either emotionally or directionally. So I like that. I think that's really practical. So I, I know your second challenge on this is uh, for men to really to focus on their home first. So first was assess your dad damage. Now it's focus on your home first. So why don't you unpack that? What do, what do you mean by that? Well, the main thing of this second one is just the fact that uh, I don't think uh, a lot of men think of manhood as being a dad. Hmm. But I think I think one of the major aspects of being a man is being a good dad. And that Old Testament example of how the Old Testament starts as God creates the first man, the first thing he tells him is, be a dad, be a good dad. And the last thing the Old Testament, as we talked about just a moment ago, says, be sure you don't forget how to be a good dad, because it has huge implications. So I think if you'll go, Okay, if that's that important, then one of the major parts of being a man is to be a good dad. So I need to look at my home and think, how can I do that? And then a second thing you can do is just simply understand this principle that for many men listening today, the greatest contribution that you will ever make will be the son or daughter you raise. That's so good. Say that again. Say that again, because I think that's really important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because because kids that you raise, they're going to change the future in some way, but you might raise a kid who is going to be a tremendous difference maker. 
maybe in just the sense that he grows up healthy, marries well, raises some good kids, and becomes influential in the community. But but I'll also say this, Adam, some of our listeners today are going to invest in a son or daughter, and that son or daughter one day will grow up and cure cancer. Or they'll grow up and they'll be one of the first residents on the planet Mars. <laughs> yeah. Difference makers. They'll really change the world. I remember when I was in seminary, uh, I had a, a good friend, Bob Tebow, and we got to be really good friends. And uh, he went on to be a missionary in, in the Philippines. And uh, uh, we kept up during the years. But when he was over in the Philippines, he had a son. He, he, he had always wanted to be a great dad. And even though he was on the mission field far away in Mindanao in the Philippines, he invested really heavily in his son. And I remember years later, he introduced me to his son, Tim Tebow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and Tim has made a huge impact, as his other sons and daughters have. But, but I think the impact of Tim from this missionary is well beyond anything he would have ever imagined. But he just simply understood that being a good dad has great implications for bad or for incredible good in the next generation. So men need to know the priority of being a good father. Yeah. And, and you know, as a man, I I'm, would imagine that some are listening to that. And again, we'll nod our head in agreement there. But then the challenge is this, is that it's... Um, it is a seed sowing ministry, if you will. It is a uh, it is an invest, 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 and you don't always see the fruit immediately when you focus on the home and when you're a dad, right? And there is uh, most men are driven by progress and by seeing results, which is why I think we can get distracted sometimes and think what it means to be a man is to be successful in all these areas outside of the home, where it's easier to show progress, right? In a career or um, you know, and some other hobby or something else in the in the community where you can be noticed, and uh, it's it's so hard to measure success at home, uh, which can cause men's hearts to drift and to get distracted. Would you agree with that, or do you see I that? Would, because because here's the deal: children are always a late bloom. <laughs> yes, and and that's part of the problem. We men love results. Yeah. And if we don't see results, you know, good or bad, we start, like you said, I think we begin to get distracted and go for immediate results. But we need to know that uh, being a good dad is a long-term investment, but it also has great long-term results if we'll keep living by faith that what we're investing will uh, have results. And uh, so you just, you just, that's why you need other men and you need a community of, of people around you encouraging you as you encourage them to hang in there with kids that you're going to see the results in the not too distant future, but it's usually uh, something that's a little further up ahead than you're comfortable with. So to help take away some of the discomfort, you need encouragement from others. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, if we want to stay in the game and 
keep fighting this this pandemic of fatherlessness. It starts with assessing your own damage and then focusing on your own home first. And then the third thought on this, I think, is really helpful and is such a great reminder. Is this is this idea that perfection is not the goal? So why don't why don't you talk about that a little bit? Well, let's first of all say a big amen to that. Yes, <laughs> collective uh, sigh of relief. If, if, being, if being a dad was being perfect, we're all flops. Uh, because it's just it's just it's a hard road at times. There there are great joys along the way, but being a good dad is is I think it's a, a perpetual feeling of inadequacy. Yeah, thank you. That's what it is. Uh, that that that's why it's so easy to want to drift away from it because men don't like to feel inadequate. Uh, they need to get training and encouragement. And they need to taste some of the fruits of. Uh, of their investment in their children, but there are just going to be times where you're not going to really know what to do, but even worse, there are going to be times that uh, for one reason or another, you're going to fail. And that's why I love the fallback verse of fathering, which is first Peter four, eight. And that's just this. It says, uh, love come, love covers a multitude of sins. And so a lot of our failures or a lot of our inadequacies are covered. If we'll just love our kids because our kids are full of grace to the dad who will just love them even if he's imperfect. Yeah. And again, and I know, you know, that love covering over these sins, not not an atoning covering in the sense that 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 our deeds um, you know, give us this good favor with God, but I love that idea that it they can be remembered more than our sins, our love can. They can be louder than our imperfections and children uh, are amazingly forgiving. Amen. Yes. If, if a dad and if a dad is humble and keeps reaching out, giving his heart, that's why I think Malachi ends with dads, keep your hearts close to your kids because if a kid has a dad's heart, uh, they, they will bloom even if the dad was not very good in other areas, but love is so important to a child and so I would just encourage the dads out there, just keep stepping up, loving your son, doing as best you can, uh, learn from others. But if you do that and stay in the game by faith with the encouragement of friends, uh, you're headed for a place of great satisfaction because your son or daughter will bloom later in life and you'll be amazed. That's right. I love that. Just stay in the game and keep being a dad. Uh, you being there and feeling insecure and staying in the game is better than than leaving the game, right? And so stay in there. I love that. I love that. That's really helpful. Okay, so we're going to assess our own dad damage. We're going to focus on our home first. We're going to remind ourselves that perfection is not the goal. And then I love this last thought, just as we wrap up our time on how we can be a part of fighting this pandemic of fatherlessness and and helping make sure that dad is the destiny, not just in our own families, but in, in our kids' lives, but but in our culture as well. And the fourth thought is this, is do not fight this pandemic alone. I love that. So why don't you talk about that? Yeah. Um, being a dad, just like being a man, is a team sport. Um, we see with people with COVID, uh, I do with my friends, I've just had another friend get covid and one of the things I love is we're in a community of believers that rally around our friends to help them. And as a dad, you cannot be a great dad by yourself. There's just too many pitfalls. Um, one of the best moves I ever made, Adam, when I was a young father, was being with two other dads. And through a discussion, we made a decision to commit 
to encourage one another to raise the seven sons that we had together. Now, that didn't mean that we were together all the time or things like that, but we would periodically come together, talk about things that we could do to encourage our sons. And we even made a covenant together that we, we, that we would do ceremonies with our sons at 13, 15, 18, and 21, just to introduce them into different phases of manhood. And we would do that as a team. And that was one of the best things I ever did because all seven of those sons have thrived thrived in that environment and to this day have turned out really, really well. Uh, I think because of that, you know, I put that in the book, Raising a Modern Day Night, to share how we did those things after these guys turned out right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it as a theory. I did it as a reward that we had success with it. But but it it really showed the value of teamwork in fathering. That's good. I, it, w- the image just popped in my mind there. It was like, uh, there's probably no chef writes a cookbook uh, in the middle of making something, right? <laughs> they make sure that the dish turns out before it shows up on uh, Food Network or in a uh, in a cookbook. And so that's what you guys were doing. Make sure this stuff works. I like it. Uh, but, you know, and even back to the other point there, Robert, about perfection not being the goal and some of the insecurity that all men feel, especially uh, men that, that do have the privilege of being a dad, just being around other men and, um, you know, n- not to, not to uh, make this sound too dark, but misery loves company in a certain way. It is just nice when you are missing the mark and feeling discouraged and feeling insecure to be able to just share that with others and realize you're not crazy. You know that that this really is hard. There's something very cathartic and, and almost therapeutic about that. To know, okay, yeah, th- this is difficult. It is difficult day after day after day to come home and stay in this game. And that's what I love about uh, being able to do this with others as well. And, and I would say, um, there's going to be few dads who aren't going to have a moment along their parenting road where they feel like they have really blown it not because they've abandoned their son or daughter, but maybe their son or daughter has um, uh, decided to go their own way and gotten in trouble and done things. And the dad takes that as a uh, evidence of their personal failure and they become discouraged or confused or they're not sure what to do. One of the most helpful things that is out there is for you to be able to run to a dad, another dad you trust, you believe in, and pour your heart out and let them infuse you with both comfort and insight and hang in there with you to work through that season of discouragement or sorrow. I like that. Yeah, this is good. This is a good challenge for men, just ways that we can continue to fight this pandemic by assessing our own dad damage, focusing on our home, uh, not being distracted by the quick wins that we can get outside of the home, not letting that get us off mission. Uh, reminding ourselves that perfection is not the goal, and then not doing this alone. So, Robert, before we before we wrap up this conversation, let's just address two other groups of people who are probably listening right now uh, that may be tempted to go, well, this episode wasn't for me, but I think there is still something in here uh, for these men that may be listening. So what would you say to the single adult listening right now? Well, the first thing for uh, maybe the single man who's listening is uh, he needs to know that we're living in a world today that doesn't value being a dad or even value children. And he may have grown up in an environment where he's been infected with some of that thinking, but I would want him to know this. Being a dad is one of the greatest 
adventures of life. It really is. That's great. And it has in it some of the great moments, some of the great thrills, some of the great satisfactions of life. So I would tell um, uh, a single adult listening, look forward to that and be excited about that. Don't think of it as something that's just a burden or a giant responsibility that's going to keep you from fun in life. It's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. It's going to give you some of the great moments of life. And I've experienced that, and I'm sure, Adam, so have you. So look forward to that. Absolutely. With great expectations. I, I, I used to tell my audiences that would listen to me on this subject, I'd say, you know, I have found that there are two great wows in life. And the first one is when you're in a birthing room and the doctor holds up a little boy or girl and says, Mr. Lewis, it's a girl or Mr. Lewis, it's a boy. And you're, you're, you're experiencing that miracle unlike any other. And you're just going, wow, I danced around the room with all four of my kids. <laughs> then there's a second wow in life. And I've experienced that as well. And it's probably even a greater thrill than that birthday. And that is when later in life you look across the room and you see your grown son or daughter standing there and you're just looking at them from a distance and you you realize they have grown up to be a real man and a real woman and they're making a difference in the world and you go, wow. Yeah, I did good. it. That's good. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, I, I didn't get married until uh, late 20s. I was 28. And then my wife and I, we didn't have our first kid till almost mid 30s. And so I had quite a quite a bit of time there where I was watching other dads. And I remember being around a group of men that were all dads. And, and, uh, and you know, sometimes when you get the dads together, the parents together, it's pretty easy for that conversation to, to turn into complaining and uh, just kind of griping about how hard it is. And I remember going through a series of conversations where these dads were just kind of like, ah, oh, the son did this or the daughter did that. And, and I didn't have kids yet. And I remember just asking them, hey, hold on, you know, Jackie and I don't have kids yet. Now, remind me why I should, you know, because the way you guys talk about this, it, it, it doesn't sound that appealing, right? It kind of sounds like um, just all chore. And I'll never forget my friend Wes Butler, who kind of just completely changed his tune. And he gave me one of the best answers about what you just said, the joy that was there. And I just remember going, okay, I'm, I'm hearing some details from these guys, but I'm not hearing the big picture. And it was really helpful for me to, be, to hear the big picture that day. And to be reminded, okay, there is something going on here that is a privilege. And if I get the opportunity, if the Lord gives me the opportunity to be a dad one day, that's something to be cherished and to be grateful for. And so, yeah, I think for the single adult listening right now, you can pray towards that end. If that's a desire of your heart, pray that God will will uh, give you that opportunity to marry somebody and to be a dad one day. Um, and, uh, and, and that now is training. I mean, even before you get married, now you're training. And so following Jesus now, reading God's Word now, being plugged into a church now, all of that stuff is going to help you be a great dad one day. So this is... You need to be expectant if you're a single. There you go. And know that others that are further down the road are saying, being a dad is a great honor. God knew exactly what He was doing when He told the first man, be fruitful and multiply. He wasn't saying that to lay a burden on Him. He was laying that on Him so that he could find the joy 
and the thrill of it. That's good. Okay, so that's one group of people. And the other group I think it'd be worth talking to right before we wrap this up is what would you say to the church leader listening right now? Because I think they have a, a big role to play in this. My uh, word to church leaders is more of an exhortation. We need to quit assuming that uh, our young marrieds know how to parent. Uh, most of them are coming out of broken homes or uh, absent parent homes where they weren't there emotionally or directionally like we talked about. And so parenting skills or parenting know-how or parenting expectations, they're not there and they're not natural. They don't just somehow appear when you have your first son or daughter. Being a good dad is a learned skill. And so what churches need to get back to, especially in our day, where fatherhood is uh, is on in a massive decline today. Being a good dad, we're we're just in a we're in a sick period when it comes around to being fathers. They're not there, and so I think churches need to get very aggressive in helping young people, especially young men, know what it means to be a dad and training them in dad skills. We need dad training for every group of new parents, uh, new dads. Uh, so they know the, the what what they can expect in being a dad and know how to be competent in being a dad. I, I wish I could wave a magic wand, Adam, and create a dad class in every church in America. Led by dads who had done it, who raised good sons and daughters and could instruct out of the scripture and out of their life what's required to have the thrill a fatherhood. Yeah. And better man can help with that. I mean, so maybe you can't have a, uh, go get the dad class up and running right away, but you can go to betterman.com and download at least, uh, that, that 11 week experience. And you can start there, right. That just starting to get men together to focus on what it means to be a man. And, and part of that is going to be to be a father. And so, um, so there's, there's resources out there and we got to do something to try to help with all this. So. Sessions in, in better man is to talk about the 10 essentials that every son and daughter needs and to list those practically and how to do them. So there's great value in that, but there are also, as you said, great resources out there. And there are also great dads out there who are willing to help you become a great dad. That's right. Robert, any final thoughts before we wrap up? I would love to quote uh, what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, the future of a nation lies in the homes of its people. And um, let me tell you, we have forgotten how fundamental that is. But here's what I'd want our listeners to know. In every one of those homes, there's a dad. He's either there or he's not there. And if he's not there, that home for the future is going to be a trouble one. If he is there and he's involved, he is going to help be a key asset to making a strong future for our nation. Because a culture, any culture, as the Old Testament tells us, starts with dad. There it does. Dad is destiny. That's right. Robert, as always, great stuff. Awesome to be with you again today. Great to be with you, Adam. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Man podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how to bring the Better Man 11-week experience to your church or community, please visit betterman.com. Today's episode was mixed and edited by the team at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. Once again, thanks for listening. Have a great day.